0: G'day everybody. G'day Zoe, how are ya?
1: <laughs> Very well, Liam. How are you?
0: I'm okay. <laughs> Doing pretty well. The the moon is uh waning. Yes. As is the global pandemic. Yes. I think.
1: Good segue.
0: Um The war is waxing. Mm-hmm.
1: What
0: yeah. what else is what else is coming up?
1: Well, uh, today is the third quarter square of the lunar cycle, the Pisces lunar cycle that began with the Pisces new moon conjunct Jupiter three weeks ago, and so we're approaching the Aries new moon next Friday. Look out. Yeah. Indeed, yes, it is a bit like that. Um Anyway, we'll leave talking about that new moon until next week because there's plenty to talk about today, just in regard to yeah the last week and this coming week, really. Okay. Um, yeah, we've entered Aries season. It was the equinox the other day, Tuesday? <clears throat> and that um, no, was Monday. My bad. Yeah, and the Jupiter Neptune conjunction is continuing to build as is Saturn squaring the nodes and Mars applying to conjoin with Saturn. So together, Mars and Saturn will be in a T-square with the lunar nodes in Taurus and Scorpio coming up um, Yeah, in the days following the new moon again. So it's just there's a lot of energy around. Yeah, there's a lot building at the moment, as well as that waning moon which is you know disseminating soon to be renewed mm. yeah all right so yeah it's um lots going on in the world as <laughs> always i think i mean i've been thinking about how it's um i think part of the perfection of this war situation is how starved we've been For any other news content for two years. Mm -hmm. And now the media's turned its attention to something other than COVID. And it's like people are just frothing for it because it's like not COVID. (laughs) It's like (laughs) so. A refreshing change of pace. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not to reduce the terrible things happening on the ground in Ukraine to. Yeah, refreshing, but um <laughs> from the point of view of everyone's more distant experience of it. Do you think that's a thing? Do you think that's been your experience that it's been good to think about something else?
0: Uh I have I mean personally I've not really thought too much about the war and mm. haven't I've kind of distanced myself from it. I don't yeah. watch the news, mm. you know, no, why. Um, yeah. and I don't really engage in conversation with anyone mm. except you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and and I don't know, people that I do seem to talk to, we tend to talk about things that we're interested in, which is mm. nice, yeah, yeah. I don't really have yeah, conversations yeah. much about um, hegemonic yeah. ideas, happenings, culture, whatever. Mm. So I don't know, I tend to be, I suppose I personally haven't really engaged with the war Mm. at a personal level Mm. and I just have this cynical position where, um, you know, when I studied media at uni, I'm pretty sure they told us in week one that, like in intro week, like Mm. good news doesn't sell newspapers. It's Mm. been the rule as long as there's been you know, a stone tablet, a printing press, whatever, Mm. that people want bad news for some reason. Mm. And, yeah, disasters and Mm. fear gets people glued to their screens. So when I say, yeah, I mean, it's appalling what's going on, but the refreshing, like, news story, Mm. I kind of mean that. Like, people generally, masses want... Bad news. Yeah. And they get it. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, it didn't really change. It was like two years of sickness, mm. death, you know, there was so much talk of death. Mm.
1: Um, Bodies piling up.
0: And, I mean, uh, is is that still the theme? Is that, I, I'm trying to recall what was, what was in the news prior COVID-19. Mm. Yeah. It must have been death. Yeah, <laughs> some kind of deaths. <laughs> like I don't know, it's just.
1: Yeah, well, death is drama, isn't it? And there's nothing wrong with drama. I think it gets a bad rap these days, but it's and actually there's nothing wrong
0: with death either. Oh, indeed, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. It's a, an aspect of life, and
0: it's just the, the kind cycles. of tone in which it gets yeah. discussed, and um, well,
1: it's fear, isn't it? It's yeah, well, it tapping comes into with that this fear of mortality.
0: And, yeah, yeah, uh, there's a lot we could talk about there. Mm -hmm. But um, you've got a huge amount of notes there. So I'm pretty curious as to what you've been thinking about.
1: Well, I um, was thinking about actually in regards to the Pluto return, the US's Pluto return, um, I've been eavesdropping on and – Involved in a few conversations with some Americans in the last few weeks and sort of trying to hear what they're thinking about the state of things and overwhelmingly there seems to be this just a lot of unconsciousness around the situation with Russia and Ukraine and, um, in particular, which is as a correlate timing-wise to the US's Pluto return, obviously a huge part of it. So what I've heard Americans talking about is the just scapegoating, you know, projecting, pointing the finger specifically at Putin as the problem and because he will not like this is paraphrasing one particular person, will not yield, will not give away any power whatsoever. And it just blows my mind that there is a lack of insight into how much that applies to the US. (laughs) Mm. Um, How it, as you say, the hegemonic kind of approach taken for a very long time... Um, But having said that, to look at the US chart, the Sibley chart, which is the most sort of widely used among astrologers, um, it sort of made me a bit emotional looking at it this week because it's like there is this kernel, this seed that's so well-intended and beautiful, (coughs) excuse me, Um, that is so, you know, that kind of arrogance and bombast that they sort of unwittingly you know show to the world in their going around pick and fights left right and center as though it's their business while their whole country is actually completely falling apart um yeah they seem people you know just everyday normal people and astrologers as well and Jungians seem to be unaware of how like this particular conflict this russia ukraine conflict which the u.s has been instrumental in arranging i mean they may well be unaware of that you know involvement from you know on a political level but as well on that more
0: you mean like individuals like citizen people you've been talking to Yeah, yeah
1: yeah so um I myself haven't actually been doing much talking because I've just been interested to listen and hear their perspectives without Mm -hmm. injecting my own because I'm an outsider, you know, I'm not. But as well, it made me think about the way Americans, from my point of view, again, seem to have been subjected to hypnosis even more so and for a longer time than perhaps we as Australians have Mm -hmm. Um, in the form of like... You know, every single day at school, as I understand it, hand on heart, pledge allegiance to the flag, the United States of America. Mm -hmm. You know, this like mantra that they recite every day. And then the, you know, star-spangled banner as like the anthem and then the literal star-spangled banner as the flag and these visual and audio cues that kind of trigger their hypnosis that they are completely and utterly... They actually can't see Mm. and similar to the conversation we were having, you know, where we're bagging out lefties (laughs) a few weeks ago, um, not bagging them out, just being critical, I guess, (laughs) but um, it's that kind of bless their bleeding hearts kind of Mm. thing. Like they, they actually don't know. They actually genuinely can't see and God... That's really interesting, isn't it? And as well, because it's also at the same time as it's their US Pluto return, it's their um, country's Neptune opposition, which is a shroud of secrecy. You know, it's a fog. It's very difficult to see in those circumstances. So the deception that is obvious to us and the like glamour perhaps is a good word associated with the potential for a third world war is very distracting um, as well as very, yeah, duplicitous, isn't it? It's like, look over here.
2: Mm. Um,
1: And, you know, not to mention, of course, the money that stands to be made by people such as Hillary Clinton. Um, If they do, I think (laughs) they're calling, I think it was Russell Brand that said they're calling it um, lethal aid. Right. So, providing weapons <laughs> to Ukraine. Um they're such kind folk. <laughs> yeah,
0: they don't have a stake in weapons manufacturing. No,
1: nothing at all to do with the war machine <laughs> or the military industrial complex. It's yeah. <sighs> Anyway, so I mean a lot of my notes are about that but also just going back to the founding fathers. So Thomas Jefferson was an Aries um, and since we're in Aries season I collected a few of his quotes. Um, He has Sun in Aries and Mars in Leo so that's like a mutual reception because um, the Sun rules Leo and Mars rules Aries. So those two planets are very... Harmonious with one another and sort of shows in the story of his life, I guess. What quote should I read? This is a good one. Do you want to know who you are? Don't ask, act. Action will delineate and define you.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's cool.
1: So he was the third president of the US. I genuinely
0: think there's a lot of honour. I genuinely think there really was. I mean,
1: obviously they were of their time and so he's criticised quite heavily now because he had hundreds of slaves over his Mm -hmm. life, but reportedly his slaves were very well treated. I think he even had children with one of his slaves, Mm -hmm. um, perhaps more than one. Um, I'm by no means an expert, but he housed them very well, like in log cabins I read, (laughs) Um, he you know, he wasn't like the kind to mistreat and they whip were more and like chain employees. And- like yeah, yeah. So there was more like a an agreement. But then uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was him who said, "Oh yeah, no, I'm, I won't go to that because I'm not hundred percent sure that it was." But um,
0: there's a bit of a hypocrisy in these modern day kind of uh, bleeding hearts mm. who, you know, want to they all about, like, how appalling slavery was. Yeah. Yes. Slavery still exists. Hello? Yeah. (laughs) Like, prison (laughs) industrial complex. The slave trade maybe diminished,
1: but yeah, it's still...
0: There's a bunch of thinkers who... um, Actually, uh, someone who I think of off the top of my head, Candace Owens, who's really kind of part of that anti-Black Lives Matter, you know, a group of black people who are against the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. They might argue, Candace Owens might argue, that the democratic plantation, she calls it, Mm. still exists. Yeah, yeah. It's still a thing. You've got, like, huge amount, millions of black people Mm. dependent, intergenerational dependence Mm. on welfare. Yeah. Not only high incarceration rates, Mm. which she would argue they're systemic. Mm. Her idea is that it comes from fatherlessness. Mm. But... That there's this oppression that's maintained by the democratic model of the welfare model, the prison complex mm. that maintains this kind of slave and slave owner relationship. Oh, it's
1: a hideous state of affairs,
0: and it's not. It, it, you know, as far as I can see, and and she argues that the Black Lives Matter movement does nothing. It's ideological. Mm. It does nothing towards like getting to the so slavery while. Well, <laughs> You've got, yeah, it was terrible. Mm. Still going on. Mm. You've, like, prison, workers in prisons in mm. America are literally slaves. Yeah. They get three cents a day or something like yeah. that for for doing work. That
1: And, I mean, a lot of those prisoners who are now commodities as well, so the privatisation of the incarceration business is booming, mm-hmm. um, so those prisoners are largely fathers, I would argue, like, I would suggest, wonder, <laughs> um, and... So, therefore, their kids are outside of prison fatherless mm-hmm. and breeding more it's, or yeah, gestating more crime fourth, in them as fifth, they... Fourth, g-
0: sixth generation <laughs> like, horrific. hustlers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's it's absolutely tragic and that's what I was sort of trying to get at when I'm saying, and, you know, it's nothing new to say that the US should be minding their own business, taking care of their own backyard before they go pointing the finger at everyone else about democracy and liberty and freedom and mm. when they're just, yeah, perpetrating a slave trade, potentially, <laughs> ongoingly, not to oh. mention all the other terrible... Purpose and, you know, there. the discrepancy in wealth, for example, as another thing. I mean, it, yeah, the land of opportunity and... Um, you know, there's no doubt about the intentions. Like no doubt in my mind, I should say about the intentions of those founding fathers, and you know, the idea that democracy could exist as opposed to monarchy, and that mm-hmm. you could that anyone could make a go of it. It's an incredible idea, mm-hmm. a wonderful idea mm-hmm. that everyone had the right to the pursuit of happiness. All that stuff. It's it's so cool. And of course, we all want to sort of live our lives in that vein. But everything casts a shadow. So, this incredible, illuminating idea that is so honourable and is the kernel of the US, you know, it's like written into their constitution and their, uh, what's that other document? The Declaration of Independence? Mm -hmm. Is that the one? So, yeah, I mean, it's all there and I'm not taking away from that. And I just quickly had a look at like Hillary's quotes online um, this week and they're really boring mostly and she's written a few books even one on motherhood which interested me I'm not going to buy it though she's got enough money but um you know the intention that's the I mean when I looked at Hillary Clinton's chart I was I literally like my jaw dropped Mm. (laughs) um she (laughs) I won't say exactly what I thought (laughs) when I saw it because it's definitely not fit for prime time but um yeah she's certainly a powerful human being as we can all see um with a lot of um karmic stuff going on and especially currently so it's her nodal her nodal return at the moment which means that the transiting lunar nodes that is the north and south node are back in alignment with where they were when she was born So that happens to each of us every 18 and a half odd years, um, ish years. Um, And so that's happening for her at the moment at the same time as she's having her Pluto – sorry, Saturn opposition. So Saturn by transit now in Aquarius is opposing her natal Saturn, which is in Leo, and conjunct Pluto and Mars – so it's just an enormously potent signature for one to have in a NATO chart as it is, but it is currently under a lot of pressure. And it's interesting that she has COVID at the moment, um, which prevented her travelling with Biden, I believe, to the NATO talks. Mm-hmm but she has made her position clear that she believes that escalation is unavoidable that the US must Why intervene. would she
0: attend those talks?
1: I have no idea. That's what I, that was my first thought. I don't know. It was there was no follow up to that sentence when, in what I read. Right. And I think I read that in the Guardian, but um it's just yeah, it's like just accepted like, that she, that yeah. she, she does of what she wants she <laughs> like going to gonna tell her not.
0: Yeah, you you tell her. <laughs>
1: conveniently no one had to tell her because she couldn't but yeah anyway I mean I don't mean to be judgmental of the US and I I have seen a couple of people saying some semi sort of hopeful things um, in terms of consciousness around what's going on but surprisingly little and even like I attended a Jungian live stream the other day I won't name the actual group because I don't want to you know throw anyone under the bus but i um, just listening to a, a group of Jungian folk talking about the US situation and then they read out this little I've got it here so some time ago when terrorists were calling for the murder of Americans any Americans glorifying that an Australian dentist went into bat for America and wrote this short essay on what it is to be an American. So it's called To Kill an American. It's available online if you Google it. Um, And it's just a short little essay, but the gist of it is that anyone, any one of us, by any, however we identify in terms of our nation of origin or whatever, ethnicity, can also identify as being American if we value those kinds of American dream ideals that we were talking (laughs) about before. Yeah. Yeah, so um, which is, you know, clearly that man, that dentist was inspired in that moment and power to him, you know, like it's a lovely perspective. And, you know, these people who were sharing this and, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) having a group hug. (laughs) Over um i believe well at least most of them were american so um they're sort of blinded by that light of of the intention of the seed of the u.s you know like there's no awareness around even though they're jungians and the first thing that should jump into your head you would presume would be where's the shadow (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it just blows my mind a little bit but um Anyway, it it is what it is and we are each of us is able to observe the goings on from our own point of view and take what we can from it. But yeah, I do pray for the US <clears throat> and pray for Ukraine stuck in the middle and yeah, I, I have been quite personally engaged with the war in a way just because I've found it so interesting. I mean, just all the different perspectives. I'm just enjoying learning about it, I guess. So I have been reading a journal on Substack called Caitlin Johnston, who's Mm -hmm. interesting and has written a lot of interesting articles about the Ukraine war and um, also linking to other interesting writers and thinkers and um, sources of information, one of which is Multipolarista, which has been quite illuminating for me to learn. I've learnt a lot through that. One interesting thing that I learned was that the Ukraine have um, shut down 11 oppositional political parties <laughs> um, hmm. in, you know, pursuit of freedom, presumably. I don't know. <laughs> It's <laughs> so,
0: to unite everybody, I suppose. Yes, right, <laughs> sure. I mean... <laughs> That'll work. Under the guise of, yeah. Yeah,
1: sure. So, um, Kate, I'll just briefly quote Caitlin she says our world's problems are systemic pretending our problems are due to specific individuals like Klaus Schwab is tempting for people who are ideologically invested in existing systems like capitalism and US supremacy so I I agree with that to some extent but I would argue that our world's problems are actually psychic (laughs) um, before they're systemic but clearly the systems are fundamentally failing and in fact crumbling before our eyes um and the more i kind of withdraw from those systems the more apparent it becomes to me that it's just like a sinking ship but um yeah i do because i am one of the tempted (laughs) um kind of scapegoating clash Schwab and co um and yet I do not – I am not ideologically – well, I don't think I'm ideologically invested in existing systems like capitalism and US supremacy. Um, I don't think I ever have been. I've been raised in a, in basically the opposite kind of way of thinking. Um, but anyway, it, that idea connects to Alexander Solzhenitsyn's thinking, and quote, which he says, if only it were all so simple – If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? So that is a fundamental issue here is that we can't scapegoat putin any more than we can scapegoat schwab or gates or anyone else but at the same time we do need to i would say increasingly i hope as i said two weeks ago that for this mass disillusionment i have a little more faith in humanity to be able to weather that disillusionment now than i had a week ago at the full moon for some yeah the full moon was great for me in the end after i struggled in the lead up to it i sort of really leveled out around the full moon and then in the days following it um so yeah i just think that's a really important point to make in a podcast that is talking about jungian ideas Mm -hmm. and astrology and the world events currently we do need to address that issue as we're not really as much as we are criticizing systems and the people who sort of run those systems, it is important that we always take, you know, a step back and see that we ultimately are responsible for our choices in relation to those systems and whether we participate on all those kinds of things, Mm. which I think, you know, our audience is well and truly on board with that idea. But yeah, just to name it. I
0: guess Mm -hmm. I have been feeling a bit like so I was I was wondering I actually wanted to ask you like what what the astrology looks like for later in the year and Mm. if if there's like astrological kind of comparisons to maybe like the end of 2019 oh okay what is twenty what is the end of twenty two look like mm. um astrologically mm. what can we what insights can we take because I think th- there is as much as I think there's a lot of people that are trying to pretend that the world is going back to normal mm-hmm. they're travelling internationally or they're booking sure. overseas trips um there's tours coming again, like music and comedy and stuff is kicking off again here in Australia we're getting some international artists coming which is fantastic so there is this vibe that things are going to head back to normal but as we have witnessed people like Klaus Schwab mm. and co are saying that you know it's never that there's never going to be mm. going back to normal um so i think that maybe as much as we would like to think that it's going to be all good. There are some things that are maybe going to burst that bubble.
1: Yes, I fear so. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell um, us. I mean, yeah, because we sure. need
0: to, I, honestly, I think forewarned, forearmed. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I, myself personally, I'm thinking about what, because I, I went up to Capital City uh, this week. I spent most of the week up in up in the big smoke. And I noticed, you know, because my, my personal plan is to at the end of this year move back to the city or mm-hmm. a city mm-hmm. and um, resume, you know, the lifestyle that one can have of eating some great food <laughs> anytime one wants. Mm. Particip- you know, I want to do community theatre. I really mm. still seek to get heavily involved in that. Mm. And, you know, I've got so I've got these like ideals that I want to live um you know social life would be nice mm. but i i can't help but feel so when i went up to the city it was dead i can't like wow. there was so few people around wow. you know i was staying in um Fremantle, which is a tourist town right there was i think it was in 2016 it was the most visited mm. like shire in australia wow or, or second mm. to like st kilda yeah. So it's, it gets, you know, it, it has, its industry is mm. tourism mm-hmm. and hospitality, but I'd say 40% of businesses in Fremantle were closed, wow. were finished, gone, mm. including like some chains. Mm. So I don't think they're coming back. No. I, and I think that there's, particularly with regard to like hospitality and entertainment, mm. there's been damage done yes. via COVID-19 that will never recover. Mm especially in America I think massive I think an independent businesses family run things mm. have and and there's trauma involved in that yeah. that they they'll never they'll never pick that up again so I think as well there's mm. other indicators that we aren't there's not going to be a that prosperous vibe that you know that we all got to share in, in pre 2019
1: yeah Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, clearly, I think people like experts say have been surprised by the speed with which the psychological harm was done. Mm. Um, I say that because I heard recently that in, I'm pretty sure it was New South Wales, they lifted the mandate to like signing in and QR codes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then they reinstated it or said they did because people were anxious the about not... public wanted it. Yeah.
0: Dominic Perrottet, the premier, said yeah. that it, it never did anything. Yeah. And they introduced it purely for people's peace of mind. Yeah. That, to me... I mean, I, I'm working on a design at the moment um, and the idea you know it's it's my it's my own quote i don't quite know what i'm going to say exactly whether it be i scan in therefore i am oh, yeah. or i i check in therefore i am mm. because it gives people people are so eager to do that it mm. gives them a sense of like fucking existence it would yeah, seem presence. like presence yeah and and participation mm-hmm. responsibility
1: yeah
0: crazy things yeah. that like it's like Well, what, not what if,
1: crazy things. They're, what they're, if
0: I told you that that wasn't linked to anything? <laughs> <laughs> so, it is psychological. It's for people's, like, belonging. Like, yes,
1: it's spiritual. That's what I was going to say. Right. And it, like That connects to Matthias Desmet's thoughts about the whole thing and the... You know how we were so ripe for mass formation because we had this sense of meaninglessness, mm. meaninglessness, and, and a lack, lack of connection
0: and community. Yeah. And, um yeah. As Hannah Arendt said, yeah. the, um we don't have any political engagement, yes. no political power at all. Yeah.
1: Um, Therefore, when we had some like something to live for, <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> checking in everywhere we go. <laughs> and someone, surviving someone knows COVID-19. i matter yeah I, yeah it's sad hey it's like it's sad that and as well there's also the component of like the safetyism thing mm. and i mean the illusion of safety and i don't think i've said this quote before but the brilliant irish proverb a false sense of security is the only kind there is love that i love it it's like words to live by so I mean, people really do perceive or like imagine that um, security is possible via QR codes mm. or mask wearing or vaccine mandates or whatever else. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that the psychological harm that's been done in the last two years is really significant and nobody... As far as I know, knows how that's going to or if that's ever going to level out. Mm. And it, like, because we know, thanks to Bill Gates, that soon there will be another pandemic. And right. then, you know, so the lightening up of restrictions now, as we know from people like Hannah Arendt and those who have studied totalitarianism and the regimes around autocracy they do lighten up periodically Mm. because they've got to like loosen those screws, but then they tighten them further again next time. So I do see signs of hope in the letting go of restrictions around the world, Um, but I am very concerned that they likely will not, I mean, they'll be back. I would imagine. Yeah, so (laughs) it's just a matter of time. So
0: you said that, like, we can, uh, like, Bill Gates assures us, there's going to be another Mm. pandemic, and he would know. uh, I mean, something that I have been thinking about and trying to investigate a little bit more is, like, what what else might be coming? Like, Mm -hmm. so they're talking about food shortages. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, this morning when I woke up, I had a bit of a kind of Google of food shortages. Mm. Um, and I actually came across, I'm going to play this little bit of audio because I think that, you know, getting back to what I said in previous episode about making a plan for us, mm-hmm. like my idea to move back to a city and resume life, mm. pick up where I left off three years ago. Mm. It, I I don't think with regard to the turning, what we're doing here is like, no, you have to find a new way. Mm. So I'm kind of looking for like substance to support mm. that. I think that is true. Mm. Um, and and that's kind of why I'm asking about the, the astrology. Like, yeah. can we get some verification? Um, I'm just going to play. This is Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it, this was published this morning. Um, it speaks for itself. I'll just, we'll see how it sounds.
2: Yes, we did talk about food shortages, and and it's going to be real. The price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example. Just give one example. But we had a long discussion uh, in the G7 with uh, um, the uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, has a significant the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major major producer. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food food shortages. And in addition to that, we talked about Uh, Urging all the European countries and everyone else to end trade restrictions on on sending uh, limitations on sending food abroad.
0: That's unedited. That's Mm -hmm. literally what he said Mm -hmm. to disseminate and spread food shortages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't. You know, he doesn't have the mental capacity to lie on the spot. Mm -hmm. He's actually talking about what they talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, his, a different president would or maybe Kamala or someone would make up a lie on the spot yes. or be prepared. But mm. um, so it's interesting to me. I remember, you know, when I was studying sociology and mm-hmm. food in sociology, 50%, roughly 50% of the world's like wheat crops, for example, get thrown in the bin, thrown in the ocean, mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's definitely US, Canada, Australia has enough – Wheat production to feed itself. Mm. I suppose if if part of part of the arrangement is that you need to send eighty percent of it to China, mm. which would increase because Russia are not you know for whatever's going on. It's just it seems to me like the there's going to be an organised food shortage. Mm. Um, so it's it it just continues this war of attrition. So and to me, I mean. I guess I'm really only concerned by this and I want to bring it up now because as, we show, as we're as we seeing with fuel, like how quickly mm. did that make an impact on us? <laughs> that, you know, it's, it happened like just mere days after mm-hmm. American fuel prices went up. I looked at that and was like, oh, poor America. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to, that's the cost of being involved in war. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-uh. We live in a globalized mm-hmm. thing apparently, like... Russian oil impacts Australian oil. Mm-hmm. That's really insane to me and I I actually don't think that it's I mean I don't know. Mm. But I can't imagine that Russian wheat should really impact Australian wheat. No, you but, would think that. But could... I imagine that the ruling class, the elites whatever, they will take the opportunity to impact Australia. And I think that actually might become quite clear in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, I yep, it could it could well Um, many things are happening in the coming weeks and I feel ill-equipped to really... um, Forecast. Yeah, forecast for... Give us a horoscope. Come on. Yeah, (laughs) a prediction, something we can work with. I can tell you that, yeah, I mean, that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction is huge and at the same time, you know, at the coincident square or T-square with the nodes and Saturn and Mars... Um, is also huge so um, and then beyond that we go into the yeah a lot of craziness throughout April and then we enter eclipse season so many I mean we're in a state of flux and one thing I can say is that when Saturn went into Aquarius that is when the lockdowns began for COVID Now, Saturn leaves Aquarius in March 2023, but hot on the heels of Saturn leaving Pluto ingresses Aquarius and remains there for 20 years. Pluto exposes shadows by its function. Um, So we will, you know, for example, when Pluto entered Capricorn, we saw the global financial crisis. Mm. That was like a concomitant thing that happened at that time so um and you know the what is it occupy movement and everything like that Mm. was really big so similarly we will see uh, i think we've already been exposed to a lot of shadow components of aquarius through the last couple of years and i mean saturn's still got the rest of this year yeah still got basically 12 months um in Aquarius, before it completes its time there for its thirty-year cycle, almost thirty-year, um, so yeah, plenty remains to be seen. Especially because it is basically yeah it's square to the nodes for a significant amount of time, which brings in you know a lot of unknown and karmic sort of stuff. There's like yeah, plenty of hungry ghosts <laughs> <laughs> coming. Um, so yeah, I lots to talk about in the coming weeks and months and we'll definitely be keeping an eye on things as much as we can but um, yeah I'm sorry that I can't really offer a lot more I mean another thing that's going on later this year is Mars retrograde in Gemini Um, so Mars will be spending um, basically like six months in Gemini which is going to impact on us all in significant ways, will certainly impact the US um, in very significant ways in terms of trade and whatnot, which was, I I was going to share this other Thomas Jefferson quote just to quickly, I mean, talk about good guidance. Had we heeded his wisdom, he said, peace, commerce and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. God, if we (laughs) dream... Mm. If only.
0: (laughs) It doesn't sound like very good business.
1: (laughs) Right. I guess it's not that profitable maybe. Exactly. Yeah, right. How are
0: you going to sell newspapers?
1: Oh, God. Yeah, well, I guess the idea behind that, that is like a psychological conundrum because if we were engaged with our own lives, perhaps I could even say to the extent that we are engaged with our own lives in terms of the lived drama of being in our own lives and enjoying that you know the drama of relationships the drama of what will i do and choices and you know um italian style yeah i mean (laughs) yeah sure like a bit of hysteria and you know melodrama passion that's a much better word living with passion um yeah it's so important so yeah we've kind of demonized drama i think a lot in our maybe
0: we outsource it as well like we yeah well
1: that's why we like buying newspapers full of bad news i guess because it's drama and but we don't have to invest in it ourselves we can just sort of get hysterical about the state of things and where's my safety and how do i check in in this place
0: (laughs) i can't help but think though like drama is such a it's a big seller yeah. People well, like that's part what, of the success. like number of COVID, one rated show in Australia is Married at First Sight. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's I've like, it's, it's such good. nonsense drama. Yes. <laughs> but people, I think people really enjoy the drama. They also enjoy kind of pointing at it to say, like, they are much Look cleverer. At those idiots. They're not, they would never. It's like, maybe you want to. Maybe Secretly you should. Secretly a little part of it. Maybe us. you should.
1: Who doesn't want to marry a farmer on TV? Oh. Wrong show.
0: Yeah, well, same, same <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: um. I mean, there's something very human and lovely about it and, like, it does make me go, oh, but I haven't watched it. I'm, I've seen snippets of it in the past, but I'm certainly not up with it. But it kind of ties into the idea of story, right, and narrative mm. Which ties into, like I heard a call Jordan Peterson just in passing in a context of another kind. He said, morality is predicated by story, which made me immediately think that means that if we, the royal we, if the story can be controlled, then so can morality. So we can justify nuclear war on the basis of morality. Yeah. Because we've got a good story. Yeah. And people seem to be, I mean, I don't know. Do uh, It's the media who are pushing this, you know, pro, this aggressive kind of response to Russia um, is being very much pushed by media, mm. newspapers.
0: To sell newspapers? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not all they want to do. Um, no, you would like to think bums not. Bums on seats and...
1: Yeah, well, fundamentally, they've got to be... I mean, editors answer to their accounts, or not accounts, but, you know, their bottom line. Mm. that It's an economic exercise, I guess.
0: I guess the control as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't help but think that, like, Rupert Murdoch and his kind of... Those kind of people, media moguls. They, they are interested in control. Controlling narratives, controlling minds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. And, I and don't I,
1: know if they know that though. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they're, uh, like conscious of that need to control. It's just that they want to oh, be on top of the pile I, and make more money. No, yeah, maybe I I'm would, wrong. I would yeah.
0: disagree because, like, having previously years ago thought quite a lot about Rupert Murdoch in particular and and media. He, I guess, my criticism at that time was that he was putting so much negativity into the world Mm. via his news outlets. Um, I've probably changed my mind and I think his outlets are probably some of the more critical and independent thinking Mm. nowadays. Um, But I remember thinking at that time, like, what? He's so evil. It's evil. And then going, no, you know, thinking about evil, Mm. being like, I don't think so. I think... He is a conservative person who is very well educated um, and would have an idea that you know a cynical idea, mm. but that you need to give the masses they need bread and circuses mm. they need to be told what to think, and they need they need an, a narrative mm. to follow and engage in yeah um, and he would like to give them a conservative one mm. to maintain. Control, so there's a lot of psychology that I think that he would be, kind of trying to implement as a, as a ruler. Mm. It's not just money; it's Mm. really about controlling minds. Mm. Um, and and I think he would go as far as being like, I need to, I have a stake in controlling society. Yeah, for the for the better, to to his mind. Yes, yes. He's doing good work.
1: That's where I'm going with it. Is that these people, sort of. Like Bill Gates, who have the means to affect change, imagine themselves to be virtuous, benevolent. Benevolent, but yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and uh, if you're so attached to the, you know, the beauty of the material world and your wealth, mm. then and sure, the I can. I, I personally can sympathise with that position that the world's overpopulated. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but it's just that when you apply it, like you're definitely a seeker. Like, what right do you have to? We're talking about lives here. Yeah. Not
1: yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very sticky, messy situation. And um, I mean, it comes back again to Solzhenitsyn's quote about evil in every human heart, mm. um, or good and evil in every human heart. So. And therein is the opportunity for each of us to differentiate in ourselves and be conscious. But for most people, most people aren't conscious Mm. and presumably they're not very conscious individuals. Mm. Um, And I don't – I mean, herein is one of Jung's – the criticisms laid upon Jungianism, um, which he would hate. (laughs) He would hate Jungianism. He always, i one of his famous quotes is Thank God I'm not a Jungian <laughs> excellent but yeah I mean he yeah, he was quite unhappy with the way the trajectory of the of his life's work, i think by the end of his life he was quite disturbed by where it was headed, and understandably and like Peter Kingsley makes a very big statement about that in his book, Catafalque, which came out in 2018. Um, it's a very despairing read, if anyone's up for it. But um, it does make very good points about that, the unconscious masses, how most people aren't really up for the challenge of being conscious. Mm. And being conscious is a burden, actually. So the awareness of, the situation as it exists is intolerable for most people which ties into like our current situation with covid with ukraine with anything the cognitive dissonance that is like that f- is created by the introduction of something that challenges the narrative is unbearable like pe- it, people just instinctively reject st- immediately um, for good reason because it's so disturbing, unsettling. They can't bear that. But in terms of the opportunity that exists for those of us who are up for that, I mean, Eris is all about that discomfort as we mentioned last week. And it's like that discordant, the necessity for discord is so profound and, yeah, right on time. She turned up right on time. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. I've I, got... Yeah, go,
0: oh, on, go well, on. I've got this Carl Jung quote here. Great. The most dangerous things in the world are immense accumulations of human beings who are manipulated by only a few heads. Mm. Have you heard that before?
1: I have not. Mm. No, that's a good one. And yeah, I mean, we are at the mercy of Murdoch and Stokes and I, I heard... I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but um, George Soros's latest project is um, Good Information Inc. I think it's called. Oh yeah. So and in line with that, there was a link in one of Caitlin Johnston's articles this week to um, an Australian, as in the Australian newspaper. Oh, is that Mur- Murdoch?
0: He owns the Australian. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, it said. Australia's media Media watchdog will be given...
0: (laughs) Yay. Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. So we should read that.
1: Go ahead, you've got the radio voice.
0: Australia's media watchdog will be... You're a better reader. ...will be given new powers to crack down on harmful and misleading content on social media. If re-elected, the Morrison government will introduce new laws to Parliament that would provide the Australian Communications and Media Authority, ACMA with more regulatory power to counter misinformation and disinformation online. Under the proposal, the ACMA would be able to enforce industry codes and hold tech giants to account to remove harmful or misleading information online should voluntary efforts fail. Mm-hmm. That's been ongoing for yeah. Rupert Murdoch for a long time. Right. He's been wanting to like censor Facebook right and you know really shape its ability to deliver information mm-hmm. so now you know this idea of misinformation is just enabling further that capacity for governments to control what people consume yeah. in yeah. terms of like news mm-hmm. and it, it's not it it really they they really limit it to like information, current affairs, that mm. kind of thing.
1: Right. It, well, I'm disturbed because how much more like restricted do they want to make? <laughs> you know, like it's quite bad already. <laughs> so yeah. like every if if you mention the word vaccine in a Facebook post, it comes with a warning. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the appropriate information attached to it if it doesn't get removed completely if you happen to be on a bit of an anti-vax rant. Mm. Um,
0: It seems to be... I mean, I remember some years ago when these kind of ideas surfaced around control and there was some critics that called it communism. mm. It was like a communist tactic because Mm. you've got a government controlling what is said in the media Mm. so interesting that you know there's there's a move to do this in australian politics Mm. george soros is investing in it Mm. um yeah the whole fact checking thing but that's kind of driven by social media a lot they like Mm. it's you know facebook and twitter they have their own fact checkers
1: and the fact checker i mean So Reuters is one of the sources of fact-checking, as I understand. Um, One of the owners of Reuters, I think, sits on the board of executives at Pfizer, which is interesting. Um, No conflict of interest here. Um, And as well, one that I came across that was funny was um, the – what are they? The Australian Press Association. Is it the APA? Oh, yeah. I think – And I mean, I read a few of their fact checks, and they're just appalling. The uh, Carl even read me one this morning that was from the ABC, and that was appalling. Um, That people will accept these counter arguments as arguments at all—never mind. But they're like
0: (laughs) (laughs) opinion-based. They're like,
1: yeah. Well, Facebook owned that, didn't they? They said like they're. Fact checking is actually opinion based. That was found to be oh, did they? a fact. Yeah, a few months ago, <laughs> I think they did. But I don't know if anyone else owns that. Uh-huh. But yeah, but I mean, Zuckerberg's clearly up for censorship, right? Like he's mm. in constant talks with people like Fauci and um, Schwab, and yeah, it. These people who do wield control seem, unfortunately, very identified with one particular way of approaching the problems of the world and, yeah, those ways are very control-based and economically driven and, yeah.
2: So,
0: they have have stakes. They're stakeholders. That's right. In, like, the outcomes and they want... So, you know, the origins of news media is the fourth estate, right? Mm -hmm. Objective... Bodies that pass on truth, they report factually the goings on of uh, governments and controlling organizations. Mm. They report that to the public and it's they're non biased, Mm. they're objective, they don't have stakes in it. Mm. So now you, this, we're actually talking about stakeholders acting as the fourth estate. Mm. So you know, and that's the basic philosophy. And if if you wanted to argue that, you know, Facebook are doing the right thing, that George, you know, they want to stop the spread of misinformation mm, because it's harmful mm. to public health. Yeah. It's like, hmm. But, but it, okay, well, let's accept that. Let's say that, okay, that's their intention. The problem is, what about when it extends to something broader, mm. something that's not
1: public Which health? Which is inevitable. And, I mean, it comes back to... It, you know, who decides? Exactly. And when the all the power is in the hands of those who have a vested interest in the information that's provided, well, it's a problem, isn't it? And the fact that we're not allowed to talk about that, like conversations about that issue are censored, is a red flag. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a space to watch, isn't it? Like what's going mm. to emerge and one good reason not to vote SCOMO. Oh, well, who <laughs> do
0: we vote for? I, I mean, I, I'm sure that the Labor Party are the party of mandatory vaccinations.
1: Absolutely, yes. It's and they got in in South Australia last week. Hey? Yeah. yeah.
0: I think he, Scott Morrison, is particularly unpopular. Yeah. Um,
1: well he's been yeah.
0: There's the media have started to give a little bit more uh positive press to Anthony Albanese, uh,
1: Have they? Yeah. They must yeah, have missed I've,
0: that. Somehow I must have caught I did watch the news the other night, actually, for the first time and I mean maybe once a week I might catch a, a broadcast but they you know, they had him out and about in Sydney meeting and greeting you know, looking really good and getting some some positive press, some handshakes and that kind of thing. Um, he still doesn't say anything, but I think we kind of know the Labor Party's position on yes, like I'm mandatory very, vaccines. I don't think
1: and, I'll – I mean, never say never, but I don't feel like I'll ever vote Labor again No, <laughs> based I, on no. recent events. They're, they're the party of um <laughs> Never mind Green. Fuck.
0: Yeah, so – I mean, I would be inclined to vote the, for the Liberal Party more over. It's, but there's no uh, no political solution.
1: There is not. And we can't really look to politics for our saviour, um, largely because of this issue that we've been talking around the whole time, which is the lack of integrity and conscience. Mm-hmm. Van Gogh, who was a, an amazing Aries, of course. Van Gogh? Van Gogh. Um, Gogh. Yeah, I wish I could say it like a proper Dutch. Um, he said, conscience is a man's compass. So uh, clearly, and a woman's, I should add, there is a serious lack of conscien- conscious c- conscience among our leaders such as they are. Because, yeah, I mean, just, you know, freedom of speech is fundamental to civilization mm. and when we start to erode freedom of speech in the name of this elevation of public health that's an incredibly dangerous place and as you said where does it go next and it of course it goes somewhere next um and yeah it's a very big tangled up mess isn't it because it's involved with profits and control and all all that we've already said Mm. but yeah I mean yeah that's it oh can I leave is it are we done yes we are I'm just gonna say one quote sure um which comes from Martin Luther King's um address speech that he gave in 1968 in Washington DC The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Hmm. Uh, It was re-quoted by Barack Obama, who I think maybe gets credit for it too often. Um, He's a subject for another day, perhaps. But um, it's a very, it makes me think of Eris so much, that quote, because she's so far away. I mean, in terms of the universe, she's not far away. She's just around the corner. But um, in terms of, you know, she's twice as far away as Pluto. Mm. Um, that and, is quite far. And Yeah, that <laughs> is far, yeah. And she is fundamentally oriented towards justice. Mm-hmm. So there is hope in that sense. But I tend to feel concern about what that hope actually will manifest. (laughs) What justice looks like for Eris is pretty (laughs) bloody. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, hello, Ukraine. No, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I've read a few things about the war in terms of the outlook from different points of view and it's not to be taken lightly. And yet here we are taking it lightly.
0: I've got a quote from Hannah Arendt mm-hmm. that I'd like to leave us with. Great. What I propose, therefore, is very simple. It is nothing more than to think what we are doing. <laughs> Not a lot to ask. No, you but wouldn't it, think so. It, yeah. You've got to think independently if possible.
1: Yeah, well, to the extent that we are able, definitely. Yes.
0: Great. Well, thank you for the chat, Zoe.
1: Thank you, Liam.
0: Thank you for listening, Turning Signals Podcast.
1: Thank you, everyone.
0: Um, Great to have you with us and uh, thank you for the support. Yes. And we are working on other ways that you can kind of follow what we're doing, Instagram and Patreon so forth so stay tuned
1: we appreciate the engagement thank you
0: all right peace
1: peace out